0: good morning let's begin in prayer Lord thank you so much for the resurrection of Jesus there's so many dimensions to it uh, it's it's not just about us even it's about the whole world what you're doing to redeem uh, heaven and earth and um, bring them together we thank you that all of our hopes we can set on you all of our hopes are are yes in your resurrection so would you unfold maybe one or two ways uh, for us that we can carry that with us in our week and into our world. I pray that we would see the overwhelming uh, impact just uh, one life at a time this week. We pray that you would unfold your word now so that we can see you clearly. In the name of your son Jesus, amen. Well, uh, hello and happy Easter. It's great to see you all. Thank you for being here uh, to celebrate with us. My name's Father Aaron Damiani, and uh, I'm the pastor here. I'd love to meet you if I haven't met you yet. Uh, Free hugs on Easter. Uh, So (laughs) we're starting a new series in 1 Peter, and it's a uh, wonderful, hope-packed book. We're going to be going through it in Eastertide, just one section at a time. We're going to begin today in our reading, 1 Peter 1, uh, 1 through 12, and so you can turn there. A couple of years ago, some leaders in our city wanted to address the growing violence among uh, kids that were still in school. I mean, kids that are still in school were, were just kind of wrapped up in gang violence, and they were turning to guns as like their last hope. You know, it was like everything else was breaking down, but I have a gun, and maybe that can solve my problems, and it's like, that does not go well. And so the leaders of our city were like, how do we address this problem? Well, one of the things they did is they started a gun buyback program. Maybe you've heard this is not just in Chicago, this is in other cities as well, a gun buyback program. And the way it works is this. So let's say you own a gun, and uh, well, you bring it to one of these community centers with like, there's pastors there, there's community leaders there, there's teachers there, and like, bring your gun, we're gonna meet you, we're gonna treat you like a human being, uh, and um, we're not gonna we're not gonna in- interrogate you about where you got it. We're just gonna take it from you. Bring say you, you know you have this artifact of death in your life. You're carrying it around, you know, and this artifact of hopelessness that you've got. Well, bring it to us, and no questions asked. We'll exchange it for a hundred dollar gift card. You know you don't need a gun, but you know what? You probably need money for, for your textbooks and for, and for your groceries and for the CTA fair. So let's take your artifact of of hopelessness and death, and let's give you some fresh resources for for living. So gun buyback program does great things. Uh, And I was thinking about this and thinking about how there's so many things that I would like to have a buyback program for in my life, things that that we carry around in our life. Wouldn't it be nice to just be able to exchange those things? No questions asked. Stuff that's harder to quantify, it's not as tangible, maybe, as a gun, but like hopelessness and grudges that we carry around and guilt that we carry around and even grief that we carry around. And what about on a larger level, citywide level, what what about racism that we carry around? What about injustice that we carry around? What about the growing anxiety that we can all see in our culture? What if there was some kind of buyback program, some kind of no questions asked? Just bring that to me, and I'll bring you resources from another world, resources of hope, of life, where you can live completely differently because you have power that you didn't otherwise have. That's the promise of Jesus in his resurrection. When Jesus, when Jesus went to the cross for us, he took on all our death on himself. Like whether it's on a personal level or a corporate level, a city level, a worldwide level, whatever problems and sin and things that we're carrying, he took that into himself, he took that to his, to his grave. And the father accepted that sacrifice, accepted that offering, and raised him from the dead. And when Jesus was, ro- uh, was raised from the dead, he came back, not just resuscitated, he came back with the power from a different world, with resources for living, Resources of hope, resources of change, resources of renewal that would that we would carry with us not only now but in the future. And unlike a gift card, it never runs out. That is the promise of Jesus's resurrection. We could talk for eight hours and longer about all of the different things we can exchange through Jesus and His death and, re- death and resurrection. All the things, no questions asked, we could bring to Him today. We're just going to talk about three, and it's not going to take eight hours. Um, we need some time for singing. So First um, so Peter is going to identify three different gifts of the resurrection, Th- three things that Jesus is going to give us just for the asking in exchange for something that we've been carrying. So my prayer is that maybe one or two of these things will be something that you can give Jesus this morning. Whether you're here and you have a Christian background or whether you're here, you're not a Jesus follower at all, maybe you have some background, maybe not, the gift exchange is open for you. Okay, so first gift that Jesus offers through his resurrection is election. He offers election for us in exchange for our disconnection. His election for our disconnection. Are you disconnected? Have you ever been disconnected? If so, you know how painful it is. A lot of times when we're disconnected, we feel like no one cares, no one remembers. People don't remember our birthdays, People don't remember to invite us to the party. People don't remember uh, that we're in trouble. People don't think about us. That's what it's like to be disconnected. And sometimes that's because we chose that way. We wanted to be disconnected. We don't like what it was like when we were connected. It was painful. It was hard. And so we've removed ourselves from relationship. We've kind of drifted. And so we don't have those strong ties. And yeah, maybe some of that's our own doing. Maybe it was because we were pushed out we were pushed out of relationship. We were pushed out of a social network. We were rejected, and that's even more painful. Maybe it's a combination of both. It's kind of our choosing. Sometimes it's other people's choosing, but in any case, we find ourselves forgotten and disconnected like we don't belong to anybody. You ever felt like you just don't belong to anybody, and you're just kind of a, an individual floating around the city? No one really cares one way or the other. Maybe we're just far from home. Maybe our people and our language and our customs are somewhere else, but our heart's not really here, and so we're not just in the flow. We're not just in the mix. It's not natural. All right, well, uh, this letter from the from the scriptures, this letter from Peter, who was a, a pastor and church planter in the first century, um, he was writing to some people that were um, feeling very much disconnected, feeling very much out of sorts, very much outside their home culture, and... Here's, here's what he says to them, verse 1 of 1 Peter 1. <clears throat> verse 1 of 1 Peter 1, and yeah, you can turn there in your bulletins or Bibles if you, if you have them. He says this in verse 1 Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. What an intriguing title. Elect exiles of the dispersion. Elect exiles of the dispersion. What in the world does that mean? In short, it means that they were left out. They were. Uh, they didn't belong. They were rejected. They're out of place. They were an eyesore, and they felt it. Now, why? Well, because they lived in a culture where uh, it was expected. It was just like expected that you would... Pay honor to uh, the uh, to Caesar, who is the leader of the Roman Empire. That you would that you would support him in your heart and politically, uh, interconnected realities there. And also that whatever local gods there were being celebrated in the local temples, you know those Roman temples with the pillars and everything else. You'd go in there, and what you'd do is you would carouse and you would um, you would maybe um have a have a sexual encounter. And uh, you would drink and maybe until you blacked out. And all of this was like to honor the gods. And, and you, would, you would burn incense for Caesar and you would honor the gods and, uh, and it would be a fun time for you. And that's how you connected. That's where the business meetings happened. That's where the networking happened. That's where the deals were made. And so what happens when you start following Jesus where you're like, well, Jesus is Lord. I can't say Caesar's Lord anymore. Can't honor him like that anymore. Jesus is the, is, is the power in him all the deity holds together. I can't start worshiping other gods, and I certainly can't carry out this carousing and this sexual activity. This has no place if I'm following Jesus. And so, um, well, what happens after that? Well, then all of a sudden you're like, what? You're, how'd you get so unspiritual? Why? Why are you so? So you're not parting with us like it's ninety nine anymore. You're not. You know what? You're no fun, and you're you're unpatriotic. And you're unspiritual. But we don't like you anymore. You make us feel bad about ourselves. Elect exiles of the dispersion. They're out of place. Here's a second reason why they probably felt out of place. Um, that historians, uh, the point, they look at the way 1 Peter was written and the references he made, as well as the social movements of that day. There's really good reason to believe that not only were they elect exiles because they were socially pushed out, but also they were up most likely uprooted from their home, home city of Rome, that the local magistrate in Rome said, you know what, you want to be a troublemaker, you want to follow Jesus? Well, guess what? We're establishing colonies for the Roman Empire, for the glory of the Roman Empire, thousands of miles away by boat in Asia Minor. All these cities listed here. Guess, uh, guess what? We're looking for volunteers, and we volunteer you. So get on the boat, get out, you can leave your old life behind. You can start afresh somewhere else. Different customs, different people. No one knows you from Adam. Bye-bye. How out of place would we feel if the mayor of Chicago said, you know what, I need you. We're establishing Cubs colonies in northern Canada and um, San Antonio and stuff, and so off you go. You know, we're sta- we, get- we need Chicagoans in all these different places. You wake up one day, where in the, what happened? Where in the world am I? Maybe if I, maybe I didn't do it right. Am I following Jesus right? Is this, does God, did something wrong happen? Is it your fault? Is it my fault? Is it God's fault? Elect exiles of the dispersion. They were out of sorts. They were disconnected and yet yet they're elect. They've been chosen Check out verse two. Let's see what elect means. Well, they're elect exiles of the dispersion according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Now, I don't know if you do use the word foreknowledge or not. It's kind of a Shakespearean word there, the foreknowledge. Well, foreknowledge is like the, it's the thing that's missing when you're not included. If someone's thinking about you, someone's making plans with you in the plans planning a special surprise party for you, planning a special dinner for you, planning a special thing that includes you. God the Father, before any of this happened, was like, yes, I'm gonna have some followers, I'm gonna have some new children, and I'm planning, yes, they're gonna be exiles, but they're gonna be elect exiles. I'm selecting them. They're not pushed out, they're selected, and they're included. And then Peter says, in the sanctification of the Spirit. Another word you probably are not using every day, but it means it's like a beautification. It's being filled from the inside out with the beauty and the purity of the Holy Spirit. God's chosen them. He's elected them to, to have the Holy Spirit in a really special way, in a really unique way. And then for obedience to Jesus Christ, meaning you've been selected to... Follow Jesus as Lord and say, Jesus is Lord no matter what. It's a really special and high honor. As well as for the sprinkling with his blood. That means he's your Savior. That means he forgives you of all your sins. That his blood covers anything that you've done wrong and you're included in his family. And then it ends with, May grace and peace be multiplied to you. Oh my goodness. There's foreknowledge, there's sanctification, there's obedience and sprinkling of blood from the Father, from the Son and from the Holy Spirit, and then there's grace, and there's peace being heaped on you, and heaped on you. What great personal attention from the living God who's chosen us, who's elected us. Through the resurrection of Christ, we can bring him all of our disconnection, all of our feeling of being left out, given the shaft, rejected, running loose in the world with no one who cares, Bringing all that to the father who says, I had known you since the day you were conceived. And guess what? I want you to be my daughter. I want you to be my son. You are not uninvited. Welcome to the table. Welcome to the family of God. Welcome to the father, son, Holy Spirit, as well as the saints who have gone before when they were sprinkled with blood at the foot of Mount Sinai. Welcome to the, uh, the fellowship of all everyone else who is elect exiles, the people of Israel and Egypt, as well as the people in exile, like Daniel in Babylon, as well as, as well as Ruth and all the circumstances she was in and Esther and all the circumstances that she was in. Welcome to every, everyone who's ever been, 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 been cast aside and forgotten. They're part of my family. I've chosen them. Like Hebrews says, they're all watching. They want, they, they're cheering us on, and they're including us through the living God, through the resurrection of Jesus. They've been remembered. So who's forgotten now? None of us need to be. Bring me your disconnection, Jesus says, and I'll adopt you. You'll be one of his elect exiles, one of his chosen foreigners. That's the first exchange. Second exchange is this his inheritance for our losses. His inheritance for our losses. What have you lost? Did you lose a library book? You're in good company. <laughs> Did you lose a Final Four game in your heart? More seriously, I mean, have you ever poured yourself into a project? You put your blood, sweat, and tears into something that you've dreamed about, and it just disappears. I read this week about a family. They they, they went through so much. They, they finally finished med school, and they finally saved up to buy a house, and they, they, then they spent all their time, like, building a house on top of a hill in Tennessee, and they had their family over, and it was like, finally, okay, finally we can settle down, finally we got this house, um, and, and finally, like, we can just celebrate. They had Thanksgiving, the day after Thanksgiving, all the kids are running around, everything else, family disperses, it's just, this, it's just the immediate family in the home the following Monday after Thanksgiving, and there's a gas leak, and the whole thing, <sighs> goes up in smoke. They lose everything except their love letters, interestingly enough. Thankfully, they all survived. That can happen to any project that we work on. Anything we invest ourselves in, anything we pour our hopes and our heart into, what have you lost? Have you lost your youth? Have you lost your passion, your strength, your standing in the world? Have you lost a relationship? Have you lost a friend? Have you lost a parent? Have you lost a loved one? Losses are, are, are devastating. Sometimes carrying the absence of something is heavier than the joy of having it. It's, like, it's weird. It's like this negative space, but we're still carrying it around. And for us, it's our symbol of death. It's an artifact of hopelessness, even though we can't touch it or see it. We still have it. Now, the elect exiles, of, to whom First Peter was written, had lost so much. In addition to all the social status and the stability that we talked about, um, it's most likely that they lost their literal inheritance. You know, if your inheritance is tied up in land, as it was in the ancient world, and if you're exiled from your land, guess what you're not getting? You're not getting your inheritance, you're not getting the, 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 the family, you know what's passed down from generation to generation. Sorry, you done messed up, and so you can kiss the land goodbye. Perhaps they lost relationships. Uh, it's almost certain they did, which are, as you know, in the end, a lot more valuable than stuff. But Peter invites them to exchange their losses for a lasting inheritance. Come, bring those losses that are fleeting anyway, and come get an inheritance that will totally outlast anything that you had before. Look at verse three. Peter starts out uh, with, with a phrase uh, of, of praise and blessing that we use even here. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy... He has caused us to be born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. So here's the picture that's being painted. The readers that are scattered abroad, the elect exiles, he's like, it's almost like you, you're born for a second time, but this time you're, 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 you're kind of coming into a different world. This world is full of hope. You're still getting your bearings. You're still figuring out how it all works because it's a different world with a different family and different values and different power and a different future and a different past. You're waking up to this world, but this world is full of hope. You might be still on earth, but you're breathing the air of heaven. You're breathing the air of the coming age. You're breathing the air of the resurrection as those who have been filled with the Holy Spirit. And guess what? In this world, you've got an inheritance. It's imperishable, it's undefiled, and it's unfading, kept in heaven for you. Now, what does this mean? There's an inheritance that is being guarded for everyone that Peter's describing, anyone who comes to Jesus with their losses. And uh, the inheritance is, first of all, imperishable. That means that it's permanent. It's uh, unlike every other treasure in this world, it doesn't, it doesn't have a shelf life even. It doesn't fade at all. It never goes bad. It's also undefiled. That means it's, it's a pure, pure inheritance. There's no moral compromise uh, that is mixed in with this inheritance. You don't even have to feel guilty at all to receive it. No one, had to, no, no one besides Jesus had to suffer in order for you to have this inheritance. There's no shoddy workmanship to it. It's absolutely pure. And then it's unfading. Um, The beauty and the luster doesn't diminish uh, like the latest Apple products eventually will or whatever it is, you know, the, the awesome outfit that you love today, but in a year and a half, are you really gonna love it, let's be honest? It loses some of that luster. It fades. This inheritance is, it's permanent, it's pure, and it's beautiful. Now, Peter doesn't talk about some of the tangible realities but the rest of scripture does, gives us a little bit of a taste of what fits all three of these criteria. And one of them is the greatest feast you could, e- the, the feast to end all feasts, a feast with food so delicious and reunions so joyful and the presence of God so full reverberating within you and around you that you'll never, ever, ever want to go back to any other kind of feast. That's part of our inheritance Another part of our inheritance is our true home. Our true home will never truly be home here. We can be good citizens and good neighbors here. That's a call on us, but we'll never be truly home here, never, never. But when we uh, when we see Jesus face to face, he will give us a true home, home in him, and home with natural and architectural beauty that we cannot now fathom. It will also include the complete healing of body, mind, soul, memories, and relationships, and include thrilling adventures and meaningful work that we will do without all the thorns and thistles we deal with now. God will be our all in all. We will delight in him. We will worship him. The resurrected Christ says, what have you lost in this life? Bring it to me. I'll, I'll do a trade with you. I'll take your losses. I'll help you carry them take them into myself, and I will give you power from a different world. I'll give you an inheritance uh, that uh, is undefiled and unfading. I'll recoup every loss and then some. Have you made sacrifices for the kingdom of God, and you feel like it was taken from you, wasn't taken from you? You gave it. I saw it. I will recoup every loss for you. So we've got three gifts. We've got his election for our disconnection, his inheritance for our losses, and finally, the final gift of the resurrection is his triumph for our tears. His triumph for our tears. His lasting triumph for our temporary tears. I recently read about a talented, vibrant, 17-year-old young woman with her whole life ahead of her she went swimming, and uh, in the course of, of, of a dive, she um, had an accident and was uh, paralyzed from the neck down. Instantly quadriplegic. She despised her paralysis, understandably so. She despised her wheelchair. Here's what she said about that first when she first was dealing with this. She said, I hated my paralysis so much that I would drive my power wheelchair into walls, repeatedly banging them until they cracked. Early on, I found dark companions who helped me numb my depression with scotch and cola. I just wanted to disappear. I just wanted to die. Those were her tears. What are your tears? A broken heart an injustice against you, uh, maybe a chronic illness, really painful conflict, really intense temptations, some kind of attack on you. Peter references these tears in verse six. He says, "Um, in this you rejoice, in, in your inheritance you rejoice, though now for a little while if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Why would we be grieved by various trials? Why, why doesn't just God just take them all away right now? Why we even have to go through the process of bringing our tears to the living, resurrected Christ? Well, look at verse seven. Here's, here's the reason so that the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ praise and glory and honor when Christ is revealed it is the coming victory right now we're kind of, we're in between Christ is risen and yet he is not fully revealed. We're we're suspended between these two events. Christ is risen, and he is revealed to us, but yet he will be revealed in all of his glory in a coming day. And when he is revealed, we will see what our tears always meant. We will see his sacrifice. We will see our pain all integrated in with his victory over sin, his victory over death, his victory over disease, as he makes all things new, and we will hail the lion of the tribe of Judah, and we will see his scars, and we will remember our scars like we remember an old injury we don't have anymore. We will be honored to be included in that day in his victory. We will be honored to be included in his triumph, and not just included, but our pain included in his triumph our pain joined with his. What a wonderful thing it is that the resurrected Christ would take our lives so seriously like that, that he would honor us by including not only his tears, but our tears in the renewal of all things. It will result in praise and glory and honor as our lives are restored around the King of Kings. Just like a a basketball team winning a great championship rejoices at the very end. They'll rejoice especially because they suffered together, especially because they went through all of that conditioning and drills and long bus rides. And I'll remember those times when, you know, we, we, we certainly did bond around our tears, didn't we? But those tears have turned into triumph. That's what Jesus intends for us. Uh, this young woman uh, met some friends after her accident, and they weren't put off by her wheelchair or her paralysis. They had compassion with her, compassion, with passion. They had empathy for her, and not in a pitying way, but like, hey, we, want, we wanna be friends. And they helped her carry her, uh, you know, the new suffering, this new life that she woke up to one day, and uh, it was really good for her to work through whatever she was putting into rum and coke, whatever she was ramming into the wall, she found a safe place to process that with these new compassionate friends. And it was so good. And they eventually started studying the Bible together. They started studying J.I. Packer together. They started studying, um, you know, great theological truths. And one of her friends said something in one of their Bible studies that she never forgot. He said 10 words. And she's remembered these 10 words every day of her life now for like, you know, 40 years plus, and the 10 words were, God allows what he hates to accomplish what he loves. God allows what he hates to accomplish what he loves. God hated, he hates crucifixion. What a cruel, satanic thing that is the torture of his son, the, 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 the mocking and the shame that was heaped on Jesus, the brutality of all of that. Yet he allowed it. Why did God allow it? Well, in her words, here's what she says. Yet he permitted it, the crucifixion, so that the world's worst murder could become the world's only salvation. So that the world's worst murder could become the world's only salvation. In the same way God hates spinal cord injury, which she had, yet he permitted it for the sake of Christ in you as well as in others. Like Joseph, when he told his brothers, God intended my suffering for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Why do we cry? Why does God allow things to happen to us that bring the tears out? So that the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold, though it is refined by fire, may be found to result in, may transform into, may morph into in the final moments of history, praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Don't you want to be ready for that day? A great exchange, a great reversal is available to those of us who cry in this life there's an opportunity for us to say, Jesus, here's my tears. Put it in your trophy case. <laughs> here's my suffering. Please take it from me. Please give me your triumph instead. Let me taste that triumph today. Let me taste that triumph now. That exchange is available to anyone here. And what happens when we make that exchange? What happens? How does our life change? Well, it can become like, 1 Peter, like Peter describes it in 1 Peter 8 and 9. Where he says, Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Yeah, you might still be suffering. You might still have those losses. You might still be shedding those tears. But there's a deep joy that accompanies those tears, and they're woven together right now in between the resurrection of Christ and the revelation of Christ, woven together real tightly almost so that you don't even know if it's tears of joy or tears of grief. Sometimes it's a little bit of both. Peoples, you know this. You can rejoice with joy and see Christ through those tears, see him more clearly through them. Obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. God wants nothing less, which is why he makes the great exchange possible which is why Jesus says, I'm here. I'm risen from the dead, and I'm looking at you, and guess what? Father's been thinking about you, and Lord Holy Spirit's been thinking about you, and I've been thinking about you, and I've remembered you, and I want you to come and give me what's inside this this dormant part of you that's died. I want you to come to me with it, because I've got something really special for you. I've got a special gift for you and you can carry it with you now. So what do you want to bring to the exchange? What symbol of death or hopelessness do you have that you could bring to him this morning? It takes some humility to make the exchange, quite frankly, but it's so worth it. So let's pray, and I'm going to make space for anyone here who wants to Transact in this way with the risen Christ the Lord be with you let us pray father I want to ask you to send your holy Spirit in a really special way for that person who is ready to make a, an exchange with you maybe it's for the first time maybe maybe it's a it's a uh, you put your finger on something in the last few minutes that that now maybe they're ready to give to you and they weren't before. And, and here's, here's how to follow through on this, my friend. You just say, Jesus, uh, there's something I've been carrying for a long time. And you just name what that is in your prayer. Maybe it's a way that you've stepped Stepped afoul of God's call on your life. Some kind of guilt that you've been carrying, or maybe it's a, maybe it's a grudge, or maybe it's maybe it's a harm done to you. Anybody you can forgive, or any ways you can be forgiven, just bring that to Jesus. Say, Jesus, I want to give this to you. Help me now to receive your new life and forgiveness and inheritance you promise in First Peter. Fill me with your Holy Spirit, Jesus. You can just tell him that. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with the Father's blessing and help me follow you all the days of my life as my Lord and my Savior. Guard me and the inheritance until I've obtained the outcome of my faith. Help me live for you. And you know, he'll answer that prayer. Jesus, uh, hear our prayer, make the exchange, and set us free to love you, to worship you, to triumph in you this morning and all the days of our life. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.